Well, good morning, church family and those that are visiting with us. I'm Pastor Eric Conley, and we're so glad that you are here wait, with wait, us. Wait, 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 wait. James, this is absurd. What are you doing? I'm, I'm about to give a message. We're going through Joshua right now. I'm, I'm Eric Conley. Folks, this, this is not Eric Conley. I am Eric Conley. This is not your pastor. I am your pastor. I don't know what, I don't what, know what, what you're doing. What are you talking about? I have, I have the standard uniform for Eric Conley. Jeans, blazer, glasses... Dude, this is available to everyone. What? I have ID in my wallet that has my name, my, our Kingsland website. It's got my picture. It's got my name underneath it. There are people in the congregation who can say, hey, this is Eric. This is not Eric. I'm sorry, but it's, it's over. It's over? It, it's over, James. All right, Eric's right. Well, but hey, listen, I'm glad that we're going to have worship together. My name is Michael. James, Matthew. come on. Get, get, out, get out of here, man. Get out of here. Oh my goodness. James DeWitt, ladies and gentlemen, our kids pastor. Don't believe anything that he ever tells you. No, I'm just kidding. Kids, he's an awesome guy. We're so thankful to have James on our team here today. Uh, Friends, today is a special day. As we celebrate VBS, uh, all that the Lord has done this, this last week, we love that we get to have our kids in the room with us. But I, as I start, I want to say a special thank you to those of you who invested in our kiddos this week. Uh, you have made an impact for eternity, not just in those 31 who gave their lives to Jesus, but the deposit that was made in truth and uh, seeking the Lord and understanding their identity. Uh, you have made an incredible difference. And so thank you, thank you, thank you for serving. Parents, today... You've already seen, we're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, We're going to see some silly examples as we keep going this morning. But I want you to know, folks, that our topic for today is very serious. There is a war that is raging for the minds, the attention, the affection of your kids right now. And lies are everywhere. The deception is everywhere. And over the next few years, maybe even the next few months, your kids are going to hear statements. They're going to have people tell them about their gender identity, that that it's wrong, that our history as a nation, as a world is wrong, or that it's changed, Uh, that the role of a parent in a life doesn't have to be an authority role for them. And, And part of our job as parents, as primary faith trainers, is to help our kids identify the lies and the deception that is attacking our families and point them to the truth. With the overwhelming popularity of social media, the 24-hour news cycle, the availability of the internet, finding the actual truth often comes at quite a premium. And it won't take you long in any of those environments to find uh, people who are discussing, always politely and with the utmost respect for each other, but discussing the same issues using different evidence pointing to different end results. But this morning, we're going to learn how we can spot a lie, how we can see deception coming by learning from Joshua and the Israelites in Joshua 9, and you can start making your way there now. Because we're going to see a few mistakes that they made, and we're going to see three questions that we need to ask if we want to spot a lie, if we want to see deception coming. 
Would you look on with me, Joshua 9, starting in verse 3. Here's what it says. When the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they acted deceptively. They gathered provisions and took worn out sacks on their donkeys and old wineskins, cracked and mended. They wore old patched sandals on their feet and threadbare clothing on their bodies. Their entire provision of bread was dry and crumbly. The people of Gideon were being deceptive. But Joshua and the Israelites, they they had no idea when this conversation begins. Identifying a lie, it can be very difficult. But we get some clues in this passage about what we should be looking for. So why do people lie? Often someone will tell you a lie if they're trying to do something that the truth wouldn't let them do otherwise. In our passage, we read in verse 4 that they were acting deceptively. So what did they want? What was the end result for the Gibeonites? And we see that if we keep reading in verse 6. It says, They went to Joshua in camp at Gilgal, and they said to him and the men of Israel, We have come from a distant land. Please make a treaty with us. There is almost always a selfish motive behind a lie. We read in verse 3 that Gibeon had heard about what had happened to Jericho, what had happened at Ai, that God had given those cities to Israel, and they were likely afraid that their city would face the same end, that it would be conquered by Israel. So they acted deceptively. They asked for a treaty. And friends, if we want to spot a lie, the first question that we must ask is, what is the motive? What is the motive? What is the reason behind the false information? Because every lie, it has a motive behind it. And for the Gibeonites, it was to convince Israel that they needed to make a treaty that God had already said, don't do. That you're supposed to take the entire land. But everything that happens in this conversation between the Gibeonites and the Israelite leadership is to convince them that they need to make a treaty that Israel knows that they're not supposed to make. When we recognize the motive that someone has, it becomes much easier to tell if what they're saying is true. Does anyone know who our enemy is as believers? Kiddos, who's our enemy? Emerson, I see that hand. You don't have to raise your hand. You can just yell it out, but who is it? Satan, the devil, that's our enemy as believers. Here's what the Bible has to say about him in John 8. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. Satan is a liar. But it's not just enough to know that he is a liar. What is Satan's motive? What does he want What does he gain by lying to you? Here's his grand plan. We see it in John 10. It says, a thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. First Peter tells us that he is looking for anyone that he can devour. Our enemy, Satan, he wants to destroy you. He wants to devour you. He wants to pull you away from what God has put in you, the truth that he has put in you, the identity that he has put in you, the great things as you memorize this week that God has prepared beforehand for you to walk in, Satan wants to distract you and take you off track. That's his motive. That's a great question. 
Every couple of months, I will get an email from Pastor Rush that is asking me to send him something. It's typically money or gift cards. It, 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 I have a picture of it. I think this is a legit email that I got. Look at that email address, officeonline1416 at gmail.com from Pastor Ryan Rush. I get these requests every couple months. It says something like, hey, would you secretly go and buy $1,000 in gift cards, scratch the back off, send me pictures of them because I want to give gifts to our staff. Okay, first of all, if pastor, myself, any of our Kingsland staff ever email you asking you to give us money secretly, please know that's a scam. We would never do that. But what is this guy's motive? He wants money. He did a really bad job of asking for it. Like, I've been texting with Pastor Rush all morning. If he needs something, he's just going to call me or text. He's not going to send me an official email. This is a scam. The motivation behind this lie is to get money. To spot a lie, the first question we must ask is, what is the motive? But we can also dig a little bit further. To spot a lie, the second question we need to ask is, are the details fuzzy? Is the information incomplete? Details matter, kids. So I want to play a quick game with you. Kids, you ready to play a game? Here in just a minute, we're going to put a video on the screen. And you're going to see a picture, and I need you to yell out, as soon as you see the picture, real or cake? All right? You got got to yell out, real or cake? As soon as the picture comes on, I want you to yell it out. We're going to see how well you do. Let's watch the video. That was a lot of fun. Did anybody get them all right? That bottle of lotion throws me off every time. I've seen that video about 30 times, and I'm always like, that's a real bottle of lotion, and and it was not. Um, 
It can be hard to pick out a fake, to pick out a lie. But the more close attention we're able to pay to the details, the better chance we have to spot something that's not true. The leader of Israel was Joshua, and as the Gibeonites are making this request for a treaty, he's pretty leery about what they're asking for. And so like any good leader, he asks for more information. In Joshua 9, verse 7, it says, The men of Israel replied to the Hivites, that's another word for the Gibeonites, Perhaps you live among us. How can we make a treaty with you? Then they said to Joshua, We are your servants. So Joshua asked them, Where Who are you and where do you come from? Who are you and where do you come from? Joshua asks a very simple and a very direct question. Where are you from? Did you know that in 2021, there were almost 20,000 new people who moved into Houston? That doesn't even include those who came to Katy and the other suburbs. And so where we live, a common question we would ask is, where are you from? A straightforward question, it deserves a straightforward answer, but that's not what Joshua got. In verse 9, they replied to him, your servants have come from a faraway land. Imagine, kids, that you went to a park today. After church, you eat lunch, you go to a park, and you see a new friend, somebody you've never seen at the park before, and of course, you would want to go and play with that friend, right? And one of the questions you might ask them is, hey, where are you from? So imagine you say, hey, Tony, where are you from? And Tony looks at you and he says, I'm from a faraway land. (laughs) Now, does that make any sense? No, that doesn't make any sense. And it doesn't make any more sense for the Gibeonites to look at Joshua and say, we're from a faraway land. They didn't stop with just saying, we're from a faraway land. They doubled down with the details. Watch what they say, Joshua 9, verse 11. It says, so our elders and all the inhabitants of our land, they told us, take provisions with you for the journey. Go and meet with them and say, we are your servants. Please make a treaty with us. You see that motive coming out again right there in the middle? This bread of ours, it was warm when we took it from our homes as food on the day we left to come to you. But see, it is now dry and crumbly. These wineskins, they were new when we filled them, but see, they're cracked. And these clothes and sandals of ours are worn out from the extremely long journey. Oftentimes in history, uh, when a country would send a delegation to another land, they would send gifts, they would send food from their country to give to others, but they would also likely send some kind of a letter, some kind of a decree that said who they were, where they were from. It would have a seal from their king, from their governor that says, hey, they are here on official business. We see this in Ezra and Nehemiah when Nehemiah asks King Artaxerxes in Nehemiah 2 for a decree that he can take and give to a governor that says, I am here on official business. This is my land. This is my authority. Please understand and accept us. But these Gibeonites, they had none of that. They had no documentation. And in fact, did you notice the details that they gave don't do anything to answer the question that they were asked. Did you see that? There's one more small detail in their explanation that I want to point out. 
Do you see how they bring God into their plan? Sometimes, if a person wants to make something sound really good, they're going to over-spiritualize it. They're going to make it super spiritual to try and convince you that this is from God. They knew that the Israelites loved God, that they feared God, uh, and so they bring God into their sales pitch. Many of us have heard of the Ten Commandments, and the third commandment is, don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. The CSB translates it this way, don't misuse the name of the Lord your God because the Lord will not leave anyone unpunished who misuses his name. We often apply this verse to say that we shouldn't say things like, oh my God, or Jesus Christ to express our frustration or shock. And honestly, I I believe that to be true. I don't think that we should use God's name in that way. But that's not the only way that we can take his name in vain. These men came to Israel under false pretenses, using the name of the Lord as a bargaining tool, as a manipulation to get their way. You know, we see examples of people taking the Lord's name in vain all the time. We see actors and musicians show up at award shows and they say, I would like to thank God for for this movie, for this song, uh, for blessing me with this. It's full of horrible images. It's full of horrible language and anti-God and anti-biblical themes. We see politicians from both sides of the aisle, from every background, who, who stand up and say, the Lord has given me this, I'm following the Lord, or I am the Lord's messenger, and then they lead us towards very unbiblical, ungodly solutions. Just because someone claims that something is from God, or if they pull a verse out of context to support their bad idea, their anti-God idea, doesn't mean that they are speaking the truth. Adding the word Christian or the word God to uh, your decision, to your business, to your argument, it doesn't make it right. In fact, it may be just another way that we are taking God's name in vain. The Gibeonites were trying to sell themselves to Israel as people who feared God. They were misusing God's name for their benefit just to get what they wanted. Knowing the motive and looking for fuzzy details are a great start. But the final question that we must ask is our best defense, our best way that we can spot a lie. Joshua 9, 14 and 15. Then the men of Israel took some of their provisions, but they did not seek the Lord's decision. So Joshua established peace with them and made a treaty to let them live. And the leaders of the community swore an oath to them. Three days later, if you keep reading in Joshua 9, it took three days for Joshua to realize that the Gibeonites were about 15 miles So from us to like Minute Maid Park where the Astros play, about that distance away from where they were, right in the heart of the promised land, a city that they were supposed to conquer. Our best defense against the schemes of the enemy, against uh, others who want to lie to us, is to ask the question, did I seek the Lord? How many times do we fail to seek God about decisions that are cloudy and confusing, only be regretful later on? 
In the case of Joshua, what did it mean for him to seek the Lord, to hear from the Lord? Well, to better understand, we need to go back to Numbers 27 when Moses commissioned Joshua for leadership. He commissions Joshua, gives him some of his authority, but he's also given Eleazar the priest. And so when Joshua had a big decision to make, uh, he was uh, to go uh, to God, he was to pray, and he was to ask Eleazar because God had given Eleazar a gift where he would know the decision that the Lord was calling Israel to make. Well, we don't have priests that work like that today, but what do we have? What tools do we have at our disposal? Prayer, the word of God, the Bible, and the gift of the Holy Spirit. When we have a difficult time deciding whether something is true, whether it is deception, whether it is a lie, we can prayerfully go to God's word and allow the spirit of God to help us discern. We don't just have to hope and guess. Boys and girls, One of the ways that God has provided for you is he gave you your parents. He has placed you under the authority of your parents so that they can help you understand right and wrong. They can help you understand what to believe and what not to believe. Whenever you have a question about something that you've heard at school, on TV, that you've had a friend say or someone else, you don't need to go one day without taking that to mom and dad and asking a question. It doesn't matter how embarrassing it is or how awkward it is. They want to hear from you and they want to help you understand. Moms and dads, even though we've given uh, some silly examples today about the deception that we see in our culture, in our society, I hope you know that your children, my children, are growing up in a world full of lies and ideas and proposals that are in direct contradiction to the truth of God's word. The Lord has positioned you as the primary faith trainer, you as the gatekeeper for information for your kids. And one of your most important roles is to point your kids towards the truth in the face of lies. At our house, we like to watch shows and and TV together at night sometimes. And uh, many shows take extra long to watch when I have the remote because I'm constantly pausing the TV asking questions like, did you hear how they said that? Does that sound right to you? What does the Bible say about this? It's ruining a lot of good shows, but it's also protecting the minds of my kids. And as the primary faith trainer, as the gatekeeper for them, it's important that they learn how to identify lies and deception in our culture even now. Friends, in Hebrews 13, we see that we should imitate the life and the faith of the great leaders that came before us. And then in 13.8, it says this, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You see, Jesus is the source of truth that we can always count on. He tells us in John 14.6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
Jesus doesn't just reveal the truth to us. Jesus is the truth. So the most important way to experience truth in your life is to come to Jesus. Just this past week, we heard about 31 kiddos who put their faith and their trust, their hope and their eternity in Jesus. And friends, that is available to anyone and everyone. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter what you've done in your life. Jesus died for you to give you hope and freedom and to be the truth in your life. That's our only hope for walking in a world full of lies and deception, is to be hidden in Jesus. But I want to tell you this one more thing as we close. You don't have to clean yourself up to come to Jesus. The work has already been done, and Jesus loves you right where you are. Ephesians tells us, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of works, meaning there is nothing that you have to do so that you can't boast about it. God's taking care of all of the work. Your job is to come to him and say, Jesus, I need you. Romans tells us that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, if we acknowledge him, that he is Lord, that he has done for us what we could not do for ourselves, and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, the promise is that you will be saved. You will be saved. So friends, whether uh, you were at VBS and you heard all this teaching about identity, or whether you're here today just checking things out, if there's a question in your heart, if there's a prayer that you feel like you would like to pray, as we sing a song of response, I want you to know that our team would be thrilled to talk with you, to answer questions with you, or to pray with you this morning. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for the grace and the love that you have given us. I thank you, God, uh, that you knew that we would be here before eternity began. And so, God, in this moment, I pray, God, that you would draw our hearts closer to you, that we would leave this place and walk in obedience in a greater way. But, God, that we would feel the hope and the freedom that can only come from your Holy Spirit, And God, that you would show us, that you would reveal to us the lies that maybe we've bought into. The lies about who we are, about who you created us to be, about what you want to accomplish in us and through us. And God, you will remind us that you chose us to be sons and daughters. And so God, we rejoice in that today. Father, would you move in this room right now? It's in the powerful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Would you stand as we respond?